still finally gave the Ringers Philly crew a podcast. I'm Ben Solak. And I'm Shiel Kapadia. That's right, just a couple Philly guys with a new space to fire off some Eagles takes, get caught up in the Sixers chaos, and more. We'll be coming to you twice a week on Sundays and Thursdays, plus bonus episodes whenever we get breaking news or Philly drama. Plus, when Harden and Embiid somehow convince you suckers that this year's going to be different, our fellow Philly stands at the Ringer will have you covered on the Sixers and all your other favorite teams in town. It's Philly sports, Shiel. What could possibly go wrong? Join the fun and follow the Ringer's Philly special now on Spotify. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store. Like now, go. And welcome to the Ringer NFL show. I'm Nora Princiati. Football is back. So are we. It is the opening night of the 2022 NFL season. We just watched the Bills beat the Rams 31 to 10. They turned it over four times, still one by three scores. And I feel like I've won by three scores because I have Benjamin Solak and Steven Ruiz with me. Benjamin, how you doing? As a man who picked the Bills preseason to win the Super Bowl, I feel comfortable calling the season at this time. I don't need to see anything else. <laughs> Feeling great about my preseason picks. Let, got it, baby. We're doing good. Good to see you. See you again next year. Let's go. Uh, Steven, did you pick the Bills to win the Super Bowl? I did not. And I regret that. They look like the Boo best team. That, hiss. They look like the best team that's ever played football tonight. <laughs> like they spotted the Rams a couple of plays, like the interceptions at the, in the first half. And it didn't matter. Didn't matter. Didn't. Game never felt close. And the interceptions weren't even bad. Right. It's like you can't even. All right. So let's talk about this Bills offense first. Josh Allen's like out there running quick game, except when he's thrown in deep bombs to Gabe Davis and, and Stefan Diggs. He's getting Chris Collinsworth to make Tom Brady comparisons. Ben, what did you think? I got a text from my mom immediately. About oh, that? Chris Collinsworth's bringing up Tom Brady already. It's <laughs> like, yeah, mom, here we go. Mom's That's a Jets like fan. A good. You got to feed the mom something. And if you throw in a Brady comparison, you kind of know where that I don't, you know, I don't mean to impugn your mom's football knowledge. Your mom could be uh, very well, well versed. My mom is a Jets fan. She just hates Tom Brady. That's what she knows. That's home base for her. And she knows that Chris Collinsworth likes Tom Brady. That's the two facts that she's got. (laughs) It's a really good place to start. But okay, so Ben, tell me, tell me what you think was working so well for the Bills on off offense where like two out of their last three games they haven't punted yeah so uh it turns out like you know we we can we can disparage quick game passing we can disparage like underneath throws and like dink and dunk offense and i think appropriately so like you have to be perfect yeah like on 10 plus plays 12 plus plays per drive in order to score like we saw that where josh allen had 10 straight completions then he threw a pick and it's because you have one little error on, on one out of 11 plays, but it turns out when you're going really methodically down the field, you need 11 plays to score. So we can disparage quick game offense. 
But it turns out when you have a quarterback with this much zip, this much explosiveness on the ball, and receivers who are this comfortable in terms of the timing, that one Stephon Diggs third down conversion where it was just, I'm going to throw it at your back shoulder. And right when you turn, it'll be there. And Jalen Ramsey will be within three inches, but it won't matter because we are so precise on our timing, on our location. The ball's there so fast that we can just take this whenever we want it. That was really, really cool to see. Uh, the reality of a of a quick game, a very effective quick game Bills offense. They're also getting to run the ball a little bit. They're putting a, you know, a fullback in the backfield. They're running a little toss play. A Bills offense that can do stuff in the zero to eight yard range is an important development to see because then it gets you to 50-yard Gabriel Davis following there's no post safety, right? Like two years ago, nobody was ever getting rid of the post safety, the deep middle safety against the Bills. There was just no reason to. Like you just stuck that guy back there right. to police that area of the field to make throwing downfield harder. All of a sudden, the Rams and Raheem Morris felt like they had to get rid of the guy. And the second they did, Josh Allen said, okay, we're keeping the back in the block. I'm stepping up in the pocket. And I'm just airing this thing out. And I'm telling Gabe Davis to go find it. He does explosive play. And all of a sudden, this thing's busted open. Uh, so a balanced offense from the Bills, not necessarily like run pass wise, but in terms of distribution wise, they're using the entirety of the field. We saw them using Josh Allen as, as a running threat. This is what the final form of the Bills offense was always supposed to look like. Yeah, I, I want to be clear here. We can disparage quick game offenses in a lot of situations. I'm not here to disparage this with the Bills yeah. because this is the type of thing where we've questioned. Exactly. Okay. They've got the fireworks, but can they put together 10, 11 plays in a row? And now, okay, if, if Isaiah McKenzie is going to catch a ball and then let go of it, maybe that 11th play has a mistake. That's always going to happen. You're never going to see an offense that's going to be perfect literally 100% of the time. But if the Bills, not only just because operating this way and doing it well means they can be efficient and consistent and not just be those fireworks, but also because the zip that Josh Allen can put on a football yeah. gives them such an advantage when he's making those little, you know, eight yard laser throws. Like th yeah, and the release is, is so fast too. Like a lot of times when you see that velocity, you think like the windup's going to be really big and like the, the lower body's got to get involved. That's all just like three quarters release, like extremely fast. And so it goes from Allen landing on his back foot, not declaring where he's going to throw the ball to the ball's there. And that's really, really hard to stop defensively. You got to be able to like press everyone, which the Bills are like going empty with Jamison Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie and Gabriel Davis and Stephon Diggs and D Dawson Knox on the back. That's tough. That's a really hard ask. You want to get everybody up on the line of scrimmage. So it's it's uh, it's a cool thing to see when the office works like that. And tonight, it wasn't like first read stuff. It wasn't like, oh, my first read's open. I'm just going to throw it to him. Like his eyes were moving all over the field and he was finding guys. And then that quick release helps make up for him getting stalled by his first read not being open. It was amazing. Like Collinsworth dropped the Brady comparison and I wasn't hating it. Like it, it fit tonight. It's the kind of thing that makes you go like, Oh, Oh, are people going to kind of dunk on him for this? But, but like you said, he's getting into the progression. He's getting from his first read to his second read and maybe beyond still 2.47 second time to throw. Like that is zippy. And we saw Aaron Donald, like we all knew was going to happen. Aaron Donald won a bunch tonight. But if you can do that, that's your best path towards making that not be a huge deal. On the other side of things, Matthew Stafford, I'm going to start with Matthew Stafford seemed pretty significantly affected by pressure. He got sacked seven times. I think that's the most he's ever been sacked 
as a member of the Los Angeles Rams, it seemed pretty clear to me that that interior offensive line especially was having a tough time. Uh, Steven, what did you think of what you saw out of this Rams offense? Uh, also, given the fact that there are maybe some health concerns or not concerns that we can get get to with Stafford, but I want to just talk about it as a whole first so that we don't just completely delve into speculation about Fettuccini elbow. Yeah, I, I would caution against overreacting to a Thursday night opener. The problem here for the Ram, from the Rams' perspective is they were bad in all the ways we feared they might be bad, like beyond even Stafford's elbow. The offensive line was just bullied all night, and that was a problem. They couldn't really run the ball, and if you're going to rely on Stafford to, to be the dropback guy, the guy that throws 600 times, the elbow becomes a bigger concern then. And then defensively, like Bobby Wagner, whew, that was rough. That was rough. And like, if you watched his film last year, it was rough last year. So I'm not yep. surprised. They don't have the cornerback depth to play tight man coverage, which you have to do in this league. And I mean, it, it that wastes Jalen Ramsey to me. Having Jalen Ramsey play quarters all day long, like you're not getting the most out of Jalen Ramsey there. And the Rams really have no other choice because they just don't have the dudes behind him to play man coverage. So then you get that you get to third and long, and now all of a sudden you have to blitz to to get pressure on the quarterback because if you play zone, he's gonna have too much time to pick it apart. And then now you get those deep passes like Solak alluded to earlier. It's gonna be tough for the Rams, man. I I picked them to to make the wild card, and I felt like that was me selling some Rams stock. I wish I would have sold more. I wish I would have sold more. Steven uh -oh. starts with, I don't want to overreact to a Thursday night preseason opener. They and ends with, I wish I had sold more Ram stock. They forced my hand. Like I said, I, I went into this game thinking, oh, like, I don't think either team is going to prove much. Now mm. I'm like, the Bills are the best team ever and the Rams suck. Ben, what do, you, what do you think about what you saw from the Rams defense? Oh, buddy. Uh, Stars and Scrubs was fun for a while there, wasn't it? Uh, and then it turns out after you drafted David Long in the third round, put David Long out on the field and discovered David Long wasn't the corner you wanted him to be when you drafted him, you still got to put David Long out on the field, right? Like they have Darian Kendrick, who they like a lot as a rookie, but he's not healthy yet. And so they bring Troy Hill back, who like Troy Hill wasn't even that good with the Browns. And so they get him back in the building. And then, okay, Darius Williams went and got paid by the Jaguars. So we got to put David Long and Troy Hill out here. It's not pretty, right? Uh, Pass rush. We, uh, we we paid Leonard Floyd. We like Leonard Floyd. He was very good for our system, everything like that. But we we traded for Vaughn last year, and we knew that we weren't necessarily going to be able to extend Vaughn because we had a bunch of money into other guys. And so it's Justin Holland's time. Holland's was like a sixth-round pick of the Broncos or something. You know what I mean? Like the, right. the number of snaps that have to go to guys that simply aren't impact players. They are starting caliber players. They are functional players. They're good role players, but they're not impact players is worrisome because yeah, eventually you start to get to the point where you can figure out enough ways to get around Donald and Ramsey because we shouldn't say that like Ramsey and Donald were nullified. They weren't. Donald had that like unbelievable sack, like very quick rush. He was constantly winning one-on-ones. It's just we can get rid of the ball quickly enough. And you have to be like Steven's talking about in off coverage. You have to be playing zones. And I feel like I can pick that apart if I'm a good passing game. Uh, I think the Rams defense will be okay. I think that last year, third down, Raheem was one of the best at dialing up pressure packages that we saw. 
while that is a little bit of like a regression-y sort of a stat, I think he can get back there because once you get into the meat of the season, you start to get tendency on protections and everything like that. And it becomes easier to kind of build that stuff out in a weekly game plan. But the other thing that they have to do in order to get to those pressure packages is get get Bobby off the field and put Ernest on the field. Ernest Jones is a really good blitzer from linebacker position. You don't want to be blitzing your linebacker. You'd rather leave him in coverage. And that's kind of like why you got Bobby. But you ain't got 2017 Bobby. <laughs> you got yeah. 2022 Bobby. And that's a different cat. I just wonder how much that's... I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch just because, look, they have this this really solidified team building philosophy, right? Where you don't extend yourself at the linebacker position, but they were sort of willing to break the rule for Bobby Wagner. One, because you have a GM who has a long history with this player, feels like he missed on Mm -hmm. him when he was coming out of college, has like a big old football crush on the guy. And I totally get it. Like vintage Bobby Wagner freaking rules. But it it just always makes me a little like when guys start sort of violating their principles for players that they really like for a specific reason. And then you start putting together kind of how the offseason went down where they think they're going to get Vaughn back. Then it doesn't happen. And so they're looking for like, okay, where we're losing some impact. We're losing an impact guy here. Like, how do we then piece it together? And um, like Jordan Rodriguez done really, really good reporting on this. Part of how they thought about pivoting was, well, what if we just use that money on offense? We'll go get Allen Robinson. Not that that mattered tonight. But when they're starting to piece together, okay, where does the pressure come from? It sounded like from the offseason, they were expecting some of that to be from the inside linebacker position. And that's something that if you just look at, at tonight, didn't right look awesome if you're expecting that and like i kind of get why because they want to get into these fronts that like look down look like five down fronts because there's five bodies up on the line but one of those guys is a linebacker he's standing up in the b gap right like it's 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 what like you might call it like a diamond front it's similar to like the double mug front that that like mike zimmer used for so much time but think about linebackers standing up in interior gaps they did this a ton in the playoffs especially against the Bengals with ernest jones and Ernest was very good at this. This ain't Bobby's game, right? And so you, if you're going to live that way, live that way. But you have to understand that as much as you might like Bobby, as much as you want Bobby to be a captain, you want him to kind of bring the knowledge to the team. On third and six, when you've given up six of seven third downs, which is where the Rams were at one point tonight, you got you to gotta get Ernest Jones on the field. And I did not expect to be this much of an Ernest Jones stand. But like, if you want to live in this world, that's the sort of dude that you need on the field. And I think like That's one of one of the, like the quiet subplots is how much the safety position has regressed for this team over the last couple of years since 2020 when they were the number one defense. I think that was like having Johnny Johnson be the the green dot guy, the play caller was a big deal. And now you kind mm-hmm. of have this weird, awkward, like you have these linebackers, you have Ernest Jones and you have Bobby Wagner and you're you play these fronts where you only have one linebacker on the field and you have to pick which one gets the green dot, I think that kind of complicates the issue a little bit. If you want to have Bobby out there wearing the green dot, he has to be out there more often than Joe. So I think there's like another layer to it beyond just their yeah. skills on the field. Yeah, I think that's huge because he didn't come off the field. I mean, he he played 100% of the snaps. And when he got there, it was within the first media availability where people were talking about, yeah, well, he's going to wear the green dot and he, you know, all that experience. But then you got to 
line up against the other guys and it has some other implications on the field that you can't necessarily just make up for with experience and savvy. Okay. I made us be responsible about it earlier. Earlier this afternoon, Ian Rapport's tweeting stuff about Matthew Stafford's like elbow tendonitis saying, okay, he had a six month recovery from this injection, another procedure, sort of a baseball injury. Clayton Kershaw recovered from the same thing. Don't worry. He's a hundred percent. I don't know about you guys. This made me nervous. I don't know if there were throws that Stafford made that made me think like, oh, his elbow looks fine, but just he didn't look great overall. Um, Steven, did you see anything that made you question his health from how he played tonight? If you would have told me that 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 was Ryan Fitzpatrick playing in Stafford's jersey, I would have believed you. That's what he looked like. And it it wasn't just and like the memes started at Arizona level Carson Palmer, which was like still fine. And now we're all the way down to like what era? Like Tampa era? Ryan Fitzpatrick? Where yeah, yeah, yeah. Tampa era. But late, okay. Late Ryan Fitzpatrick. Clarify for this for me. Are we on like he's got noodles in his in his elbow tendons watch? Are we on just plain old washed watch? Are I mean, we on let's not overreact watch? Are we, we don't really know. It's, it's impossible to tell based on how he threw the football. If it's just, that wasn't a good performance versus there's something physically wrong here. I would say that his throwing motion looked weird at times. It didn't look like his normal throwing motion that we saw, we've mm-hmm. seen in the past, especially like on underneath passes. And he threw an out on third down. Like, I think it was in the third quarter. And there was some air under it. That, it was like... That, a, was, that was the 2-2-1. Two, two, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like a lot. I, like, it it didn't look right. It didn't look like Matthew Stafford. And then, like, with Matthew Stafford, you live with those mistakes that you get. We saw a lot of the mistakes tonight because he gives you that high-end play. And if the elbow isn't right, which it hasn't seemed to be right all offseason, I don't know if you're, you're going to get as much of those high-end plays. And that's going to be a problem. Ben, what do yeah. you think? Right. I think inconsistency, right, is the word there. Where, like, uh, there were throws Stafford threw with a lot of velocity, right? Like, some of those, like, flag routes, right? Those 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 deep outside cuts to Cooper Cup, like, dropping the ball in there beautifully. Uh, like, his pick to Cup was a throw that he sailed, right? Like, he overthrew it. It was too fast, too high. And in part because he was trying to no-look pass it. And that to me is like as if not more concerning than like wherever the arm is at. I think like the arm is clearly not 100%. I think it's inconsistent. But I think we we saw enough in terms of like velocity and timing and placement that like you can get by, like whatever. You do need the guy with the deteriorating arm to accept that reality and work within it. And a thing about young gunslinging Matthew Stafford, baby, is that he is convinced that his body is always 100%, oftentimes to his own physical detriment. And like guys in the locker room love that toughness. He's built a career in the NFL over a decade of, of, of that culture and that reputation and that leadership. So he is not going to want to be told or to act like his arm maybe isn't what it used to be. However, if tonight is any indication, his arm is not what it used to be. And you have to deal around that, right? Like if Stafford's arm is going to be inconsistent and he's also never, ever, ever going to move out of the pocket, right? Like they do not have a like rollout play action game. Like what was very, very typical, very Q 
characteristic of the McVay offense in the Goff era. They don't do that with Stafford, barely, right? I mean, like you brought it up, Nora, interior pressure was such an issue. Stafford's pressure on 33% of his dropbacks, took seven sacks, Bills in a blitz once. Third game in the, in the NGS era since 2016 with not, not a single blitz. Four-man rush the entire game. And they're constantly dialing on the pressure. You want to know how you stop that? You get a couple tight ends on the line of scrimmage and you roll the son of a gun out. They can't do it with Matthew. So right. if you can't roll him out and he can't do what he did with his arm like in the 7-1 in the stretch start of the season last year, this is not pretty. This is, this is an ugly, difficult, tough offense that needs to find something like in the running game to save them, which is concerning given what we saw tonight. Needs to find something in terms of like contested catch ball winners down the field to save them, which... In theory, uh, uh, is Allen Robinson, Robinson somewhere over Any, here anybody? with his two targets? So yeah, there's there's a um, Stafford's arm is less than 100, percent but that could be okay. That could be fine yeah. if there was a more internal honesty, both for the player and for the organization. And I feel like neither of those things are there. I I, I feel like we should give him the benefit of the doubt and like let him have the opportunity to adjust before we say like he can adjust. I think. He's a smart quarterback, and I do think he's been a gunslinger all his career, so it's going to be hard. It's going to take some time. But I could see him, like, transitioning into, like, a Dak Prescott-type game, and I think that would suit the Rams well. I I agree with Solak, though. Like, it's not going to happen overnight because that's just not who he's been. No, extremely, extremely very much agree that, like, he deserves the opportunity to do it. It's just, like, reading the person, the individual, the way he behaves, I'm worried it's going to be like, don't worry, guys, shot of Toradol. I can do this. And it's like, this is not to anybody's service anymore, Matthew. You know, like this is not good for us. Here. And and there's the Ryan Fitzpatrick comparison. Cause like that's Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> that's the irrational right. confidence in his arm that he just doesn't have. I do think, uh, look, I mean, there's, there are moments where you're feeling like, okay, don't let Andrew Whitworth leave the building. Like somebody t- tackle him in the, the, the bowels of the stadium and say, please, please come back short of that. I do think that the Bills defensive line, that group's just really deep. There's a lot of good players there. They're not going to face that every week. Now, when they play good teams, I I think we would maybe like Stafford is, is concerning. I watched that game and, and I feel right now more so than that worried about like, okay, have we sort of overlooked that the offensive line for this team might be their Very limiting factor on the season? Like that's yeah, my biggest line concern. Worries me more than Stafford for sure. Yes. Same. But I do think that the bills defensive line, particularly Von Miller, geez, deserves some recognition and being mm-hmm. a, a well above average group. The Rams will have yeah. some, some easier assignments on their schedule I, this yes. season. Than those I do. I do agree that you're not going to face many pass rushes as deep as the as the Bills pass rush. With that said, if you're telling me that you're not great at left tackle, which is uh, Joe Nopum, who obviously has about, had a bunch of reps at tackle, but was a backup previously, and you're also not great on the interior, where you now, you now have Coleman Shelton starting, you wanted Logan Bruss to be that guy because Austin Corbett is gone. You also have like David Edwards and Brian Allen, neither of whom are like to me like above average starters. All I need is an opposing defensive line to have one elite dude at one of the not elite one one plus dude at one of the at three of the four spots, right? Like it's like okay, Rob Havenstein's handling that edge, great. As long as I have a guy who works at anywhere else, 
I have a matchup that I like, that starts to freak me out, right? This game was very reminiscent of the games that the Rams started to lose in the middle of the season last year. They played they played the Niners and they played the Titans. And in both games, the Niners rushed blitzed them, I want to say, on like 9% of the dropbacks. The Titans blitzed on like like 12% of the dropbacks, like extremely low numbers. Against the uh, Titans, Stafford was 31 for 48, 294 yards, which was only six yards in attempt, two picks and five sacks. Against the Niners, 26 for 41, 5.9 yards per attempt, two picks and two sacks. They lost those games. They scored 16 and 10 points, respectively. This game looked exactly like those games. So we're starting to figure out, like, all right, we just got to get uh, a four-down rush that works. This team ain't going to run it on us. Let's just put our horses out there for four quarters and just try to, this guy's not going to move out of the pocket. It's starting to become a familiar problem for the Stafford-era Rams. They they don't have an answer to a team that can generate a four-man rush. And that's a lot of teams in the league. It's a lot of teams in the division, too. They got to play the Niners twice. That's not yeah, fun. they have the the Falcons next and then the Cardinals. That's probably those are some maybe breaths of fresh air as far as that's concerned. But then they've got the 49ers um, on October 3rd. That that seems a little you'll look at that right now and go. That seems a little ouchy. I would say just as concerning as the pass protection is their run blocking. Like, yeah, this offensive line hasn't been very good at run blocking for a couple years now. And they had a I think it was. A 29% success rate tonight against a defense that was like sticking in nickel, playing too high all game, like rushing the passer with like spreading the defensive line out. These are the types of defense that have given Sean McVay's run game problems in the past. It's usually been like stacking the line of scrimmage, playing quarters, playing the safeties close to the line of scrimmage. And he couldn't run on this type of defense. Like, how is he going to run against yeah. the 49ers front, which just bullied the Rams in all their matchups last year? It's that's this is a concern. This is, dude, this Bills defensive, this is nuts, man. They didn't even have a corner this game. Like, right. I don't like, it's it's so easy to overreact. It's an island game. It's the first game of the season. But for the Bills, it just never blitz and also just played nickel the whole game, right? Because the Rams are like always on 11. So the Bills are like, yeah, we're just going to put the same 11 players on the field constantly. And then we're just going to drop into a bunch of zones. Beat us. That's scary, man. That without Tredavious White, that's bananas. That's why I was saying, like, I didn't want to overreact coming into this game. And I like was telling myself, like, this game's not going to tell us anything about these teams. But like the way it transpired, like it mattered. Yeah. It, it transpired in the ways that mattered. It also like uh, one of the things I was looking for was, OK, how much does this evolution of the Bills offense? How much do they use Josh Allen as a runner or how much do they try to, you know, save that for the moments when it really, really matters? try to get your running backs involved in the running game a little bit more than they have been in the past. Devin Singletary looked really good. Josh Allen still had 10 carries for 56 yards. They're doing it in like both of the ways. Yeah. I feel like yeah. this time they were this year. They're just like, screw it. Let's just run Josh Allen from week one on. I feel like Ken Dorsey brought his experience over from the Panthers when they were like, all right, let's just use cam as a fullback near the goal line. And who cares if he can only play till he's 28, like long-term, maybe Listen. it's an issue, but for this year, I don't think it's going to be fun. want to treat Josh Allen. Well, they did it tonight. <laughs> yeah. Ken Dorsey walked into the room first time, first meeting as an OC. And he was like, hey, yeah, you know how you've been thinking about building around Josh Allen for the next 10 years? Only building around him for the next three, baby. We are Run going him into the in. ground, baby. <laughs> I think, right. I think like when they play the Jets, they'll just jump out to a 21 to nothing lead. And then like, who cares? Like they're not going to, they're going to protect their guy and whatever. I do think that in the same way you got to try to keep a bridle on Stafford with his injury, I do think that, like, Josh has got a little blood in his mouth now. You got to run, got to hit some guys. There's a lot of football. Football's the best. You got to like, roll it back. A little and stiff arm like, action tonight. Yeah, we, uh, 
not everybody's Nick Scott, baby. We ain't doing this. Yeah. The Rams absolutely by quarter three. They were like, you're going to run? We're going to hit you. And everybody's going to do that if Allen gives them the opportunity. So there was like a zone read keeper for like, it went for like two yards, but like Allen was perpendicular to the field. And there was like a, a Bills <laughs> yeah, player holding his leg, some yeah, guy yeah, holding yeah. his neck. Like, like, please, Josh, don't do that. Don't do that. Josh Allen has like, Josh Allen has been a very inconsistent player since he entered the league. I I don't mean inconsistent. I mean, like how he has played has changed significantly year to year. Mm -hmm. One thing that has really stayed the same year over year, the man leads the league in seconds spent perpendicular to the field. (laughs) Always the the league leader in that category. You got to hire Cam as a coach and he's just the assistant quarterbacks coach and it's just his job to tell Josh when he shouldn't have done something. No, like Josh comes trotting to the sideline and Cam's like, buddy, and you give Cam a big hat, right? He's obviously wearing team gear. We're like, let Cam wear the hat and like, like let him just like Cam out. And then Cam just grabs Josh Allen. And he's like, don't he do has that. to have the, the the vibe of like an an old, yeah, withered, right. yeah, wise man just being like, like he just like pulls up his I've shirt, been and in your, like a scar, your shoes, and he's right. like. That I got this doing that. He's got to be. Don't do this. He's got to be walking around like a 1970s running back, like Earl Campbell in a like <laughs> getting honored at halftime with like a cane. Like you'd be like, this is I am the ghost of whatever. Just cautionary tale, Josh Allen on the sideline. Yeah. <laughs> the ghost of Josh Allen's future. Yeah, that's that. There it is. All right, so Stephen, are you changing your Super Bowl pick? No, no, I'm sticking with the Chiefs. I want to see the Chiefs play first. That was such a that was such a Kevin Kevin Clark question. It was such a Kevin Clark hosting question. Horrible, hated it. I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> We're gonna have to end the podcast now. Uh, okay, so if the if you're not changing your Super Bowl pick based on what we just watched, we can't be all nice to the Bills, Stephen. What is it? Just the fact that the Chiefs exist. Like what what gets in their way? I want to see how this offense works when they're not playing a team that's just playing cover four all game long, just giving them everything underneath. I want to see them play a team that's that has the talent to get into their face, play press coverage, play man coverage all day long and see how this offense looks and see if Josh Allen is still taking the the underneath stuff. But like I hold this up uh, in comparison to last year's week one opener for the Bills where the Steelers were like, Josh, we're going to give you the underneath stuff. Are you going to take it? And he didn't. And then this year he's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, I'm not only going to take it. Like, I'm just going to march down the field every drive doing it. So, like, I, my expectations for this team have been raised. I still am high on the Chiefs. But until I see the, the Bills, like, just throttle the Chiefs, I'm, I'm sticking with them. Yeah. And you like, want to see them I, against a different type of defense. Yes. Yeah. I also just want to see him do it. Like, like the Bills last year were inconsistent on offense. Like, there was that stretch in the middle of the season where they were just right. scoring like six points against the Jags, right? So, like, cool. Glad you got up for Week One. Glad you got up for the ex Super Bowl champs. Let's like, you know, let's dominate. Let's, let's do it for a month. Never straight, drop and then a another stupid game straight. in the AFC East, right? Exactly. Let's let the AFC West eat themselves alive. Let's go actually get the number one seed. Like, let's not be stupid here. Let's stay dialed in for eighteen weeks. The other thing is. If I had grabbed both of you before this game kicked off and I said, hey, Cooper Cup's going 13 catches, 128 yards and a touchdown, who wins the game? You both probably would have said Rams. Uh, they do need Tredavious White back. This whole yeah. let's split time with the sixth round rookie and the first round rookie to figure out which rookie we want to start on the outside is like, okay, cute. Let's get Trey White back. Let's pick one and let's right. let's actually develop this position because that not have like they stopped everything that the Rams did 
except for Cooper Cup, and obviously beat the brakes off him. But you don't want to be in a position where the other team's wide receiver one is getting a 15 target game and kind of moving the sticks with impunity. That's never a good spot to be. It's also moderately interesting that the the first round cornerback Kyrie Lum it hasn't like won that job. It's a little. I odd. 100% thought that was gas. Like I saw the training camps and they were like, yeah, like Elam and, and Bradford really, really tight competition. I was like, yeah, and Elam's going to start week one because he was drafted with the 22nd overall pick or whatever it was. Start the Villanova kid, baby. All right, Sean McDermott. We believe in competition in this building. Here we go. I still want to see, I want to see Ken Dorsey fix the offense if it like breaks in mid season. I want to see him adjust to the adjustments before I crown this, before I crown him. Steven, I really feel like you want, you have like a, a list of tests for Ken Dorsey. You just have yeah. a lot of like challenges you want to see him, see him attacking. He, he still has to beat the running game coordinator allegations. <laughs> One game doesn't All do right. that. We, we've, we've had our first run game coordinator reference, so that means it's time to end the podcast. Uh, it is such a delight to have football back. It is such a delight to be back potting with you guys. We'll be back again on Sunday when we have a whole slate of week one games to react to. Uh, this has been very fun, guys. Thank you so much. Bye. This has been the Ringer NFL show. We will be back on Sunday. Ben, Steven, and Danny Heifetz will be back on this feed tomorrow, Friday, previewing the entire rest of the week one slate. Thank you, as always, to Isaiah Blakely for production on this episode and to Arjuna Ramgopal and Connor Nevins for additional production supervision. 